Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. NBC Sports, Football Morning and American columnist Peter King. What do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca vs. Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast from still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, everything school HQ up there in New York City. Fangraph Zone, John Taylor is here. John, good evening, yes. sir. How are you? I am doing well. I was just wondering as I did the, the Matt Berry voice for the umpteenth time, which I'm sure your listeners just cannot get enough of, mm-hmm. if, if at all I'm getting like better at that i i I do wonder i I wonder if that's if that's happened or if i've just kind of plateaued at a certain level of matt berry imitation i think it works for me john okay you you always want to be improving at your craft you know whether Mm -hmm. it's talking about sports or trying to do a overly theatrical british accent with weird uh kind of stretched out sing-songy vowels you know you, you want to put your you want to put your best foot forward yeah, I mean, you wanna you don't want to like lose balls in the light when no, the game's no, on the line. No, no, you don't. You don't want to let a ball drop when your team is up by a run and desperately needs a win in order to stay alive in a postseason chase. Right. You know, that's luckily that that hasn't happened at all. I don't. I don't even know what we're referencing right now. Not even like a cursed franchise. Like no. there's there's nothing to. Okay, look, look, let's be fair. Can Cubs fans in any way, shape, or form consider that franchise to be cursed? Air quotes, quote unquote, still. Yeah. After winning a World Series, yeah, no, I say won. no. I say it's over. It's over. It's over. You cannot. Hold on, you're you're no... just doing this because it's the Red Sox thing. But the Red Sox won multiple. The Red Sox then no, proceeded that, to look. I, I I never believed in the curse in the first place. It's just mm. like 
like it's the it was a curse of bad decisions and bad ownership. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the Cubs, though, if you want to argue that there was some weird metaphysical barrier between them and a championship, well, that's gone now because they won a championship. It's true. If you want to argue that there is some new metaphysical barrier between them and a championship, well, fine, sure, it's not like you can prove it anyway. But also, what's the what's the moment that started it? Like, what is what is the selling Babe Ruth or the or the Billy Goat of for the Cubs now? Is it is it trading Chris Bryant? I I don't really think anyone involved in that thinks that was a bad idea anymore. No, that was just a marriage that it, it, it was it just didn't really work out for anybody just involved. It just curse, ended sad the, for everybody. The curse of the Ricketts, the TD Ameritrade curse. The, T- like, <laughs> the TD Ameritrade curse. That, that's I mean, kind of my maybe thing. John. Like, you need to do something that violates the ethos and morality of the universe in order mm. to have a curse placed upon you. For me, if you if you want to argue curse, for me in the, my mind, it's well, the Red Sox by trading Mookie Betts effectively redid the Babe Ruth trade, mm. and thus have placed themselves back into that spiritual hell. But again, that's you that's are in not a, a dark curse. place, sir. Like uh, it, you are in your, a dark place. What is there to place. feel good about Red Sox baseball right now? You tell me. I mean, you get to watch Mookie Betts play well in the postseason. I will for forever. Guy. I will forever root and love my 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 boy Mookie Betts, but. Um, but that's what it, to say. Like, again, it's not a curse. It's bad decision making all the You're way like through. The five Cubs, years away from inserting Jackie Bradley Jr. into your Ring of Honor. He's been in my Ring of Honor from day one. I love my boy. But yeah. um, the Cubs, JD Drew night in July <laughs> next year. I will not hear a single bad word about JD Drew. We without that grand slam off Fausto Carmona in Game Seven in 2013, or sorry, in 2013, mm. 2007. Um, God, I cannot remember things anymore. Uh, this Red Sox, that Red Sox team doesn't win a championship. There you um, go. I just I can't wait for May team. next year. The Braves announced they're doing Mike Rimlinger and Ray King uh, Look, bullpen night. Is it upsetting to think that if the Braves win the World Series, that like there's gonna be like a Marcelo Zuna appreciation at some point? I had not realized, by the way, he has like 36 home runs. Yeah, no, Marcel's been fine all year long. Like he, that's wild. Like, well, I shouldn't say all the year long. He struggled at the beginning, but I'm saying. Basically, I mean, we're almost October. We're looking at three straight months of, no, he's an everyday player, and it's just fine. He's in the middle of the also, lineup. the number of 30-plus home run hitters in this Braves lineup is it's just a lot. patently absurd. Like, uh, I know we're going to talk about the Braves in a bit, but my God, that lineup is stupid. It's just, there's like a weak spot, and it's, well, it might be Sean Murphy at this point, but maybe it's Orlando Arcia. You know, maybe it's Michael Harris, depending it's on... It's someone at the bottom of the order that is not a real weak spot. It's No, a... and, 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 even, and even, yeah, with guys like Ar- with Arcia and Murphy and Harris, at the like, they can all launch home runs. They're all good defenders. Like, th- there really is not a... The, the problem with the Braves is on the other side, but again, we're, we're mm. going to talk about that. We are. Um, But your take graphs, take of the week this week, John Taylor, is... We need to get rid of the third wild card. Oh it's, wow! It's He's already out. I I don't like it. Look, we and this is this might be an overreaction of sorts to the way that the wild card chase has been playing out in both leagues, where it's been less about which team deserves to make it and which te- and more about which team is going to just soil themselves the least in the process. Mm. You know, we're seeing it in the American League where the three AL West teams, Houston, Texas, and Seattle, or it's probably say two at this point because Texas looks pretty good to win the to win the AL West at this point. Houston and Seattle have both spent the month of September more or less barfing on themselves, and yet one of them is still going to make the postseason despite that. Similarly, in the National League, you have the Phillies have obviously locked up uh, their wild card spot, and you know so now it's just a matter of who gets the rest. But the the Cubs, who have just been in complete freefall for the last three weeks or so, 
The Marlins, who are probably, if they make the postseason, are going to go out like the Reds did a few years ago, where they scored like two runs in two games, and that was it. Uh, a Diamondbacks team that has one of the worst bullpens we've ever seen that cannot be trusted to hold any kind of lead in any kind of scenario. Uh, somehow, if I, I don't know if the Reds are still mathematically alive. I think there's still like a tiny chance, but... Need a lot of help. They need a lot of help. But either way, a Reds team with an awful starting rotation that would probably get blitzed into pieces by whoever they meet up with uh, in the first round of the... I guess in this case, the, the third worst record in the National League, which would be the Brewers. I mean, also, I mean, if one thing is... If one thing, the, the benefit to their... The, you know, the teams that want the, or sorry, better said, the people who want the third wild card to stay are the Twins and the Brewers because they theoretically are going to get the easiest path to the division series imaginable. They get to beat up, although it's going to be really funny if it ends up being Houston as the sixth seed and that's the Twins' reward for winning the division. Congrats. Here is a just monolith Houston team that, thanks solely to two and a half bad weeks, happens to be here in this bad position. Nonetheless, it's really hard to argue, and it was really hard to argue in the first place that what the league needed was one more playoff team on each side, because what we're seeing is you're not really getting a very good team in exchange for that. I think Houston is probably the one exception, because like I said, it really for them has been mostly just a bad few weeks. I think they're a better team than this, but by and large, this has not been uh, a, the kind of world-beating Astros team that we're used to seeing. There's still kind of an air of inevitability about them, particularly given the presence of Altuve and Bregman and, and Verlander coming back and Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker. And I think you could probably argue, given all those names I just said, this team should probably be better, but still, this is where they are, and I think it's even harder to make that argument in the case of the Mariners, who have a very good pitching staff and not a whole lot else going on otherwise. And as I similarly just laid out with the NL, a lot of really flawed teams are fighting for that for that uh, last wild card spot right now. A lot of teams where, and I know, you know, the the uh, well, I'll get to my counter argument in a second. I'm arguing against myself. Um, you're just not getting a quality team really in that spot, and and that's. And it's understandable because the the adding the third wild card wasn't about adding more quality teams to the postseason. It was about expanding it. Yeah, it was about revenue. It was about getting an extra round of the postseason that you could sell. Uh, in this case, to Disney, which because this first round is going to be entirely on uh, ESPN and ABC and I think one other network, but I can't remember which. I think they're putting the Brewers on the middle of uh, Oshka on I'm the pretty Disney sure Plus. The, I'm pretty yeah. I'm pretty sure the Brewers are going to be on like True TV or something. <laughs> like I. The poor Brewers and Twins fans, those games are all, like, we just know in advance, all of those games are happening at noon. Mm. They're all going to be put on uh, the least successful TV channel you can think of. They're going to be put on one of those channels that used to show music, or that used to play music with no yeah. with no visuals. They put uh, them on, like, for Tennessee, South Carolina at Saturday night, like the picture-in-picture, picture, where yeah. they give them a little box at the bottom right, where yeah, it's and, like, and hey, this is going on. <laughs> Instead of airing a live Brewers postseason game, they're just going to be like, uh, due to fan interest, we're just going to replay last night's Dodgers game with the Brewers game in a, as an inset. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it's it was about more revenue for postseason rounds, and it was about placating the owners, be like, well, here's an extra playoff spot. Now you, your teams have to try even less to get there. Yeah. And that's what we've gotten. Again, we're going to get, uh, you know, depending on how things shake out, I'm just going to pull up our fancy little fan graphs. Uh, postseason odds right now, if I can find. You heard about our... this? Have you seen this? Yeah, folks, you see, you heard about this? You seen this? <laughs> uh, if you look at the National League right now, again, the Phillies, the Braves, Phillies, Brewers, Dodgers, and uh, well, that's it. Those those are the teams already in. Mm. You've got the Marlins. We've got projected to finish with 84 wins. The Cubs at 84 wins. The Diamondbacks at 86 wins. The Reds at 83, and then the Giants, the other team that was in this chase, but also spent the majority of September crapping on itself, and I think they actually have been officially eliminated. Mm. Uh, down at 80, 81 wins. 
again, you're getting a team barely above 500 in the postseason at this point. You know, you're you're not getting a super quality team. And I will say there is an effective argument to this, and it's last year's Phillies, who were a number six seed, mostly kind of slumped their way into the postseason, end up going all the way to the World Series. But I don't necessarily think that's an argument for the third wild card so much as it is an argument for the wild card in general. Because hmm. we do get this similarly with Atlanta when they won the World Series, going yeah. as a, going in as a wild card team. Wild card teams, wild card teams can win the World Series. There's absolutely no, there, there's no reason they can't. Mm. But what I think is we just don't need to add another one of those teams in the hopes that maybe this happens again. You know, which I again I understand is not the John, primary I have some reason. Bad news for you. I, I look, and I understand that too. Do like, you know, the, it's like I don't want to, I don't want to put you more in the Heimbloom, put the post Heimbloom dumps era here, John, but. We're gonna get one more for each like wow. each, like you think, I think, you think we're gonna get expanded playoffs again? I do. Wow. I think it's gonna be the even number. Sports loves even numbers. They love the the eight. Sounds good. The owners are on board with it. Well, but like, that, but think you're about, gonna think get about eight. that. Think about what that means. Like you already have twelve out of thirty MLB teams making yes. the postseason. Now, they want if, half. They want half of the MLB teams making the postseason. And if that's the case, if you add an extra wild card to each league, that means you are getting uh, at this point. Um, you'd get either the Astros or the Mariners, who are going to finish yeah. with 88 or 87 wins, and you'd get one of the Diamondbacks, whoever of the Diamondbacks, Cubs, or Marlins, whichever one of those three loses out, then makes the postseason again. You're just adding more mediocrity to the pile. Yeah. And these are teams that look, you know, you look at the way they're constructed. These are not teams with good World Series odds. No, the Marlins uh, are like, look, we will, we'll mess up uh, Luis Arias's other foot. Like, you, <laughs> don't you dare put us in here. We'll have more videos of him rolling around in a scooter as in the biggest week of the Marlin season. Like, you, you can't. I mean, again, it's all the, the pie is already big. The money's already in. Yeah. And Rob Manfred cares more about counting the dollar bills than anything. But you cannot argue to me that what the what your average baseball fan wants to see in the postseason is this iteration of the Marlins lineup grounding out 39 times against uh, against Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns en route to a two game sweep. Nobody I mean, wants a Marlins that. Brewer series is. They might not. They might not even put that on TV. They might just do that like over over Morse code or something on a transom. Oh my god! Again, like nor if MLB lucks into the Astros getting the sixth seed, at the very Mm. least they'll be able to say, "Well, it's the Astros, and against a division winner, that's actually going to be a good matchup." And I will happily watch that. But I'm also a sicko and a pervert who will watch (laughs) all of these games without any prompting. And even I would struggle to find the interest in a Brewers Marlins series, other than. Well, we're not going to get Sandy Alcantara back, unfortunately. It looks like he might actually be seriously hurt in his arm. Yeah. Um, and actually, I'm not even sure if Yuri Perez is going to pitch. I was going to say that the, the appeal of Brewers-Marlins would be something like Corbin v- Burns versus, I guess at this point, Jesus Luzardo. But you already get that. F- like we, we get Brewers-Marlins during the year, too. And it's not all that appealing when it happens, even with right. those pitching matchups. Like Adding, essentially, elimination game stakes doesn't really help. Because, again, and I, I don't want to keep picking on the Marlins, but... They're not a very good team. They cannot hit. There is not all that much particularly interesting about them. It's Jazz Chisholm, and if he's healthy, Arias, and the spin of the roulette wheel that is Tanner Scott to see if he either strikes out the side or gets lit up for six runs in an inning. That's really about it. Similarly with the Diamondbacks, you know, great. You've got Corbin Carroll. I would love to watch him do his thing in the postseason. You've got Zach Gallen. He's a great pitcher. We're talking about then game two starter Merrill Kelly. And I know Merrill Kelly's been really good this year, but that's not what is the selling point of that right there? You know? And I, I look, I, I, I think you're right in the sense that 
money always wins out in these things, particularly in the Rob Manfred era, and that if there is enough agitation and enough demand for yet another expansion of the postseason, it will happen. And we've already got Rob Manfred saying that he wants to create baseball broadcasts that are 100% laser focused on gambling, which one, go back in time, like 20 years, dig up the corpse of Faye Vincent or, or, um, or a Bartlett Giamatti and tell them, Hey, in the future, baseball is just going to be gambling nonstop and it'll just kill them all over again. Or just sports all, all over. I mean, it's really just not even baseball. They're just catching the wave. That's just everywhere else. But just to prove, just to prove the point that it's like what MLB cares about is how much money can this make us? And an yeah. expanded postseason, if they can sell the rights to doing it, and if it'll make the owners happy, particularly the smaller market owners whose teams then don't have to spend even that much more to get into the postseason, it makes them that much happier. But the the end result is a dilution of the overall product because you're getting these teams in here that, quite frankly, don't deserve to be here. You cannot make an argument for me that, it, look, the whole point of 162-game season, long as it is, is to separate the wheat from the chaff. I can understand why sports like basketball and hockey in particular, because their seasons are shorter, you know, why they want to have a more expanded postseason field, because, you know, that, or at least ostensibly, uh, is to defeat the the potential of kind of small sample weirdness. Baseball doesn't need that. We've had a whole season that has shown us that the Marlins are exactly what they, we thought they were, a team with good pitching and no offense. Yeah. It's shown as exactly what we thought the Diamondbacks were, a team with a good offense, good starting pitching, and no functional bullpen. I, I don't know what, you know, the Cubs are a little bit weirder to me, but even then, like, th- at the same time, there should not be, the Cubs should not be rewarded for three weeks of utter catastrophe by just being handed a postseason spot and the chance that they could make a run based off of that. I yeah. like the idea that the regular season means something, which is to say, if you don't perform at your best, particularly when uh, the stakes are high enough to get you in a postseason spot, you don't deserve to be there. The postseason is for the best teams, not the okay teams, not the the teams that could be best if you gave them a short. John, just the best teams. John, it's over. We lost the fight. I know, but look, I, I'm I am going to rail against the coming darkness because that's all <laughs> we can do. Uh, aside from uh, trying to mind control Rob Manfred to undo this, but it it just it just bugs. You know me. what I'd rather than focus on what I feel like is more likely to like the 163rd game didn't hurt anybody. It was great no. television. It was a lot of fun. Bring that back. Like that's I some, agree. and you want more money? Like that's it. Like that's something I feel like he should sway these people. Like an extra game. That was just top-notch playoff baseball. Like that was the 163rd game was awesome. Like that it was great. Would, it's never not been back. great. Yeah, that that was not broken. What are you doing? And if it, you're, and if, uh, you're a, and if you're the Marlins and you're upset that oh, we missed out on the postseason by one game, dog, if you win 84 games, like yes. It, you don't deserve it. It's like that's part of the deal. Like, what's the big difference between you and the fucking Reds? Like, it's just like you're you're in that spot. Like, what are we yeah, doing? You you made your bed to a certain yes. degree. None of these none of these teams. You got me particular... cursing on this podcast. These people out here. It, <laughs> I just I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't really. You know what I'm. You know who the real the real monster is here? The San Diego Padres for putting us in this situation to begin with because Seriously. they underachieved and they waited till the end of the year to get their uh, stuff together, John. And now we have to live with. Uh, the Marlins or the Reds or whoever in here when we all just wanted the Padres. We wanted the Padres. We wanted the Padres. I think similarly yeah. for as much as, and, and I think I, I, you know, this is a postseason that will not have any of the Yankees, Red Sox or Cardinals in it, which I don't think has literally ever happened before. Hmm. Um, I think similar on the American league side, you got Rob Manford probably looking at the Yankees and the Red Sox and going, what are you doing? We gave mm. you the easiest path possible. It, yeah. it, it's, it's very much the, um, 
uh what's the it's hard for me to expand the postseason when y'all finish last yeah like, it's, <laughs> it, it's we were all rooting for you you know it's very funny to me that the, 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 the Reds, the Yankees are going to finish fourth in their division. The Red Sox mm. are going to finish last. The Padres uh, could finish third, but could also finish fourth. That team might actually finish fourth in the National League West. That's, if they quit. that's astonishing to me. Yeah. Uh, to say nothing of the Mets possibly finishing last in their division, too. Drew Gilbert's coming, though. And the Cardinals are going to finish last in their division. Yeah. I think it's I think it's official because I don't think they can. Uh, I, I don't think they can match the, the Pirates at this point. Mm. Imagine, imagine going to a a, a sporting a sports book to to keep the gambling going at the mm. beginning of the season and putting money down on last place Red Sox, last place Cardinals, last place Mets, last place Padres. That four team parlay might actually pay out. We don't know anything. This this every time we talk about the sport, it's just a reminder that we don't know anything. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to predict, except for the fact that I am just going to take laps on this forever. I said after the very first week of the season, the Cardinals will not make the playoffs, and I was right. So Cardinals fans, you can direct your ire to Chase underscore Thomas at Twitter or on Twitter at Ch- what is your handle again? I actually don't even remember. I mean, you're really good. I mean, it's just Chase double underscore Thomas. Double underscore. Yeah, there's some special. There's some bastard out here with Chase underscore Thomas. So I had to settle for it. And you know what the worst is like those where it's like Chase Thomas is like an egg. It's an egg. And it's yeah, been an egg for I, 10 I, years. And it I just... had that with um, at John Taylor on Twitter. It's just some British dude who tweets about cycling every now and again, who has like 800 followers. And I'd be like, no, I am the superior John Taylor, at least yeah. when it comes to social media. Like, I, you're me my, my superior John Taylor. Well, thank you. Um, well, John, uh, this is a sidebar that I thought was interesting outside of uh, Zach Grinke now having a faster changeup than he does fastball. In he the can do whatever he wants. Love that guy. Gonna miss him dearly when he he finally hangs it up. Um, is Logan Webb being slept on for the NL Cy Young? I wanted to pick your brain here because it seems like it's been down to Steele and Strider. Um, fans are turning on Strider today with his comments on his the introverted king over here getting getting shade thrown by the folks who are like, oh, the competitor. Why, why would you not want fans? He didn't say one fan. He's like, I'm good. What what do you need to be down there for? What do you need to be by the dugout for? And also, I think a lot of players probably feel that way. Um, I, mean, I, I from having talked to them, I can guarantee you that most players would prefer that fans leave them the hell alone. Yeah, that would be my guess. So I think people are making way too much of that. But I will say, I think Logan Webb does have a sneaky case. And Zach Buchanan, great MLB writer, wrote about this on the Messenger, um, John, this week. And I I hadn't really considered it all that much. Uh, before because it's just it seems like it's not that likely but is there a strong case to logan webb actually being uh the most deserving nl cy young candidate this year i think there is a case it's not i don't think it's a strong one because i think at the end of the day blake snell has pretty well sewn it up i think the i mean he's got a 225 era right now he's got a strikeout rate above 30 percent uh he i believe is well he's not he's he's, the the advanced stats i think are a little less in his favor but regardless Mm. i think just Purely on the merits, I think this is Blake Snell's to lose. I think the case for Logan Webb, uh, it's primarily the innings. He leads the National League in innings pitch right now at 216. That's roughly 13 more than Zach Allen, 36 more than Blake Snell, roughly the same number more than Spencer Strider. If you want to make the argument that the Cy Young is about rewarding, essentially just showing up every day or every start rather and contributing and putting in the work, then Logan Webb is your guy to go forward. Yeah. Um, this is an argument that I know uh, Cliff Corcoran, who I used to work with at Sports Illustrated, when he would do his Cy Young prediction columns, he would note that it's very imp- like you cannot understate the importance of all those extra innings, particularly taking those innings away from 
you know, fill-in starters, swingmen, uh, long relievers, the guys you do not want to be pitching those innings. So yeah. I think that is your main argument for for Logan Webb on top of some very good, like just purely superficial numbers, a 325 ERA, a 317 FIP, a 4.9 Fangraphs wins above replacements, which is uh, tied for third behind. And I, I think if you want to make the really, a, a guy who probably deserves a stronger case than he's going to get, Zach Wheeler at 5.8 war on the season, followed by Spencer Strider, and then followed by the trio of Webb, Steele, and Gallon. Um, that's probably... You know, I think Webb does have a case there. I think the unfortunate reality for for Webb though is that might work if Blake Snell didn't have an ERA of two twenty five right now. In mm. order for those, and if you want again want to make that argument, oh, well, what about those extra thirty five innings or so that that Webb has pitched that that Steel or that Steel sorry that uh, Snell hasn't? Mm. You'd have to have an ERA of around like ten in those repl- in those missing innings for that really to make any difference. So I, you know, again. You're saving those innings, you're taking them away from the worst pitchers possible, but you'd also have to get some really, really poor results in those 30-some innings for it to make any tangible, appreciable difference. I do think it counts. I do think Webb is going to be part of the conversation. And I will say, based on our Cy Young Award uh, projection slash prediction tool that we have at Fangraphs, we have it by Cy Young Points, which is, uh, I believe, a Tom Tango creation. Mm. Uh, We have Webb fourth in the National League right now in Cy Young Points, uh, with Snell way ahead of the way way ahead at the top of the leaderboard at 82.4 points, and Steele at 61.2, Gallon at 60.9, Webb at 60.4, Strider at 60 even, Seng, and then Kodai Seng at 59. So it's a very crowded race, I think, to be the guy behind Snell. Mm. Similarly, based on fielding independent Cy Young points, uh, Snell again with a big lead at, at the top of the leaderboard, but then it's Strider, and then Webb number three, basically dead even with Strider. Uh, same, same with our projected stats. We have Webb fifth in our Cy Young points projected. I think I, which I think doesn't really make much of a difference at this point. I think all these guys have at most one start left. Um, similarly, Webb would be in the top three in FIP, uh, Cy Young points. I do think he is likely to be one of the top, one of the finalists. I think Steele has probably seen his chance go based on the way the last few weeks have played out for him. Uh, I think that, Gallon, Wheeler, Senga probably don't have the juice to push their way up. You know, I think, again, I think it's going to be Snell. I don't think it's going to be particularly close either. I think he's got all the right factors working in his favor, except for the fact that the Padres aren't going to make the postseason. But at the same time, the Giants aren't going to make the postseason. The Cubs may not make the postseason. The Diamondbacks may not make the postseason. But also, if you're counting against... Pitch starting pitchers for making yeah, or missing the. Sh- that's just one of the dumbest. Like, yeah, and then that's it's also not a viable argument. No. So I I do expect Webb to be if not a finalist to at least be a guy who finishes somewhere maybe fourth or fifth in the overall voting. Yeah. I do think it's going to be Snell taking it in the end though. It's just it's really hard to make a case against him, particularly given how like he has maintained this dominant stretch of pitching for going on three and a half four months now. You know th- yeah. this isn't just a hot finish to the season. He has been pretty much without a debate, the best starter in the National League since the beginning of June. Uh, I think the only real guy who gives him any competition, and it's going to be really split because of some other numbers, is probably Strider, because you can make that argument that he's the, just the most overpowering pitcher in the National League. He's the scariest. Like he's the in, scariest. In a three-inning, or in a three-batter situation, like one particular inning, like Strider's the scariest of that group. But I think the problem for him is his ERA is almost touching four, even with a really low FIP, even with the strikeouts, even with the wins above replacement. Because he has bad outings. When he gets dinged up, Strider gets dinged up. He's like, one there's of those, no middle ground. He's one of those guys like Kevin Gaussman where there's tons of swing and miss stuff, but if you do yeah. make contact, that ball is going a mile and a half. Yeah. So 
you know, I, I think it'll, I think Strider is probably the only real competition Snell has, but I think the ERA being near four, even with all the, the good peripheral numbers, even with the strikeouts, I think that's probably going to be enough to sink him in comparison. Because again, mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard to, lo- it's really hard, I think, to lose a Cy Young when your ERA dips below the 250 level. Yeah. Because that, that's the point when you're talking about, this is like historic levels of run prevention. At the end of the day, that is the single most important thing a starter does is prevent runs. And I think Snell has done it better than any other starter in the National League. There you go. Uh, John, bigger starting pitching concerns this postseason. The Braves and Dodgers, the two favorites, both are just losing starting pitching uh, at a very terrifying rate. Uh, the Phillies just over there in the background, like Kevin James meme right now, just like uh, waiting for their opportunity to ruin all of our lives once again this year. But yeah, I don't, don't know. Don't I go back and forth like, the, the Brave stuff is just bonkers with just the fingernail stuff and Charlie Morton obviously getting hurt uh, late in the year in back-to-back uh, time frames. Then you had Max Fried with uh, his sickness um, last year where he got really sick um, and lost weight and he wasn't... Was that, was that flu or COVID? I don't know if it was ever 100% out there. I think it was flu, but I could okay. be wrong. Um, but you have that and then you have Strider, not right, um, you found out after that series against philadelphia it was just like one of those where you're like oh well just everybody's down and then kyle Wright, you obviously haven't had all year and then he deals with the the finger issues so i don't know what that looks like for his grip and then suddenly you're just like oh we're just down to strider and bryce elder has not been good his last two starts um he has a big walking problem um of late uh he did not pitch well last night i just i don't know like i think both have real concerns there but the difference for me between the dodgers and the braves right now in level of concern is the Braves offense is still as you saw last night six nothing means nothing in the middle of the game like this offense and the power of this offense just makes it really hard for me to panic about the injury bug hitting this Braves starting pitching because I just think the floor is so high with this level of offensive firepower like it just that I don't know if that means they can win a world series if they're this banged up um with the starting pitching for the foreseeable future but do I still think they can get out of the NL with this being the case? Yes. I just, I, my gut just says the floor is just too high with this offense. Yeah. I mean, I think purely on the pitching level and, and leaving the lineups outside of the uh, side. And I think, you know, the, both the Braves and Dodgers have, you know, the, the two of the three best lineups left in the postseason yeah. at this point, the, the Phillies being the other, I think it's a more, mostly a question of what do you miss more or what hurts, what hurts you more if you don't have it in the postseason? Is it the lack of a number one guy or is it the lack of depth and flexibility? The lack the of Braves, two, three, four. <laughs> yeah, I think because that's the thing. On the Braves side, you still have Strider, who, you know, for as much as, uh, like you said, he's had these blow-up starts, he's still one of the best pitchers in the National League. You know, you feel confident throwing him out there. The problem, as you've noted after that, is there's no Max Fried right now, although there it looks pretty good that he'll be back for the division series. You're not going to have Morton back until at least the NLCS. Yeah. There's nothing really behind that. You know, Mike Soroka... Uh, presumably done for the season. Yeah. Uh, does not look likely that they'd be getting uh, any of their other injured starters back anytime soon. Uh, so really, I mean, Kyle Wright will be back. I mean, well, it's, that, the thing with Wright though is it looks like the Braves want to try him out as a reliever and maybe as yeah. one of those two to three inning guys to get through a lineup one time. I mean, you're um, looking at best case scenario like Bryce Elder game two, Strider game one, and um. Yeah, and then that's the thing is like yeah, it's it's you know if you do even if you do have Freed back for the NLDS yeah. one, how much what what percentage of Max Freed are you gonna get? Like, is right. the finger still gonna be an issue? 
Second, how confident do you feel that you can bring him back on four days rest if necessary, you know? And like yeah, you said, none the, of these guys are going to be pitching over the month. Like, that's the whole problem is like you're not getting any tune ups like you're going right into playoff baseball. And the other side of it, too, is you there's no way around it for the Braves. They are going yeah. to have to start Bryce Elder in a division series game. There's just nothing they can do about that unless they want to try a strategy of, say, uh, an opener with like Jesse Chavez as an opener and then someone like Darius Vines or Alan Winnens mm. or uh, probably not Dylan Dodd. But so one of those no, younger guys, not Dylan Dodd, John, I, I guess don't it would probably me. It would probably have to be one of Vines or Winnens as maybe like a three inning bolt yeah. guy, and then you go to the to the high leverage parts of your bullpen. But I also figure that the Braves would rather save that for a game four if necessary. That yeah. they'd rather try to get as many outs as they can from Elder in game three and then try to bullpen the rest of it. Yeah. Whereas on the Dodger side of things, you don't really have that locked in number one guy right now. I don't it's not Clayton Kershaw right now, gonna be throwing 88, 89 miles an hour. It's very clearly not fully over the shoulder injury that put him on the injured list. You know, is can it be Bobby Miller? Sure, he had a fantastic start last night in Coors. Uh, he's been very good in the second half of the season, but he's also a rookie. Uh, he's also getting he's getting up there in terms of innings pitched. You have to worry about him fatiguing at some point. Also, not a guy I think you can just easily say, yeah, we'll let you go through the lineup three times, kid. Good luck. I think with the Dodgers, the only guarantee in terms of you're gonna get five innings out of them, Kershaw and Bobby Miller, and then I think the rest is gonna have to be a parade of. You know, I think similarly to the Braves with Bryce Elder, I think the Dodgers are probably going to treat Lance Lynn the same way, where it's give us at least three innings, get through the lineup one time, and then we'll figure it out from there, hopefully. Otherwise, I think it's going to be a more kind of structured uh, piggyback system of here's two or three innings out of Ryan Pepio, here's two or three innings out of Emmett Sheehan, here's two or three innings out of Michael Grove, here's three innings out of Ryan Yarborough. Um, I, I, it just it just basically depends on what you feel more comfortable with. Is it having those guys with the Dodgers who are built up as starters and having essentially a whole army of them to try to take down as many outs as possible, especially knowing that with the exception of Evan Phillips, you do not really have that kind of lockdown high leverage relief option in the bullpen. Um, you know, maybe maybe it's similar, like you have an opener like a Bruce Dark Gratterall or a Caleb Ferguson, and then you go use one of Sheehan or Pepio for three innings. Um and it, do you, how comfortable do you feel not having that locked in number one guy? I think it's 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 pretty much a matter of taste. I will say that the downside of only having the one number one guy is it, obviously Strider can't make every start. You know, mm. you're still gonna have to rely on Freed. You're still gonna have to rely on Elder. You're still gonna have to rely on on the bullpen and on guys like Vines and Winnens, who I'm sure are gonna make the uh, right make the roster. Jesse Chavez, I'm sure is gonna be a part of it. Uh, Nick Anderson, if he's healthy, I'm sure is gonna be a part of it. I think, it, and again, it depends on how you feel about your late relief options. And I think maybe the Braves do have the advantage there when it comes to having A.J. Minter, Rice Lee Glacius. Um, obviously, this is something where you really, I think, do feel the loss of Tyler Matzik as the guy who can get you four to six outs uh, every other game. But look, they're they're both in bad shape, I think. And certainly, like you said, like the Phillies, le- the Phillies lay in wait and are just eagerly awaiting... Um, you know who? Which of these two like, wounded NL teams are they gonna are they gonna end up against? But at the same time, like you said, that Braves lineup will put you back in any game, no matter what. I think that's a you know I don't think that's a, a real question. Similarly, the Dodgers with their amazing lineup with Betts, with Freeman, with a healthy JD Martinez now, uh, with the power Max Muncy has. You know, I I kind of assumed that all of Atlanta's postseason games were gonna be like six to four, like eight to five type games where it's just gonna be. Whoever scores last wins. Uh, I, I don't really see either team being kind of getting through this postseason on a big on a big pitching push. Is that unfortunately they, neither of them really has the pieces for that? I think the only real team in the NL that does is Milwaukee and maybe Philadelphia, depending on how Aaron Nola pitches. But 
Um, I don't know. You're, it's definitely worrisome for both teams, and I think it's gonna. I think it's just gonna come down to which of the two uh, ace type pitchers they have is gonna be healthier and more productive. Is it gonna be Kershaw or is it gonna be Freed? I think either of those guys is gonna go a long way toward determining how far each team goes. I agree, um, but we'll see what happens, John Taylor. Um, last thing, uh, we'll do this quickly. Now that the season's wrapping up here, we got postseason baseball uh, sooner rather than later. John, the biggest 2023 surprise storyline ended up being what for you this year? I think I, I want to say something like what what the, what the Padres had, but like I feel like every year you get a team where this just happens. The expectations are through the roof at the start of the season, and invariably they disappoint in some capacity or another. What's wild to me about the Padres stuff is just how bad they were at extra innings and in one run games, which is um, a combination both of bad luck, but also I think bad process. Beyond that, um, it's tough. I, I feel like this season has not been necessarily all that surprising in some ways. I mean, again, you look mm. you look at the teams that are going to the postseason. I you know it, it feels I, maybe you know maybe it's the Yankees. Maybe maybe it's the way that that team has kind of uh, fallen apart a bit. Maybe it's. Um, you know, maybe maybe it's the way that the Mets fell apart. I, I think, if anything, the surprise are all these teams that looked very set to be. Like I said, what were the what were the odds you were going to get that the Cardinals, Mets, uh, Padres, and well, not the Yankees, but potentially the Yankees would all be last place teams, or at the very least, yeah. all miss the postseason, and not just miss, but miss badly. Like none of these teams were close to a not postseason high. spot at the end of the day. Um, and then I have like the Orioles just being awesome. Like the Orioles actually being maybe the best team in the AL all season long is crazy. That's remarkable, and I think that speaks a lot to the the, the farm system that the team has built up to their player development. They've clearly figured that out to it. Jackson Holiday's not even there yet. Yeah, and that's again they have the number one prospect in baseball who's going to be there presumably at some point early next season. Yeah. It's it's really something. Um, but I I think you know you you look around and I think it is seeing those like kind of established titans Red Sox Yankees Cardinals maybe not so much Padres Mets just really falling short because otherwise you know you look around for who are the kind of positive surprises I think I don't think we expected the Reds to be at this point where they're kind of essentially like a little bit of baby Orioles thing going mm. um, I don't really know that a lot of people were looking at the Rangers being as good as they are as quickly as they've been which I think is also a, a real argument in favor of just spend money. Spend the money. Like, they have already gotten such a positive return on investment with both Corey Seager and Marcus Semien. That team is going to win the division, more likely than not, and uh, and get a first-round bye, thanks in large part to the two of them playing out of their minds since they signed with Texas. That that's it really, again, is a nice argument for go get stars. That's how you win ballgames yeah. in this league. If you don't have a super farm system like the Orioles do that can just produce four win players for $700,000 a piece, <laughs> then you got to go out and sign stars. It's Unless really you're the hard best, to win otherwise. Uh, organization identifying and developing offensive talent, then uh, just maybe just sign stars. Maybe not it's, go the, the arduous route. You're and probably think, not Mike Elias. And I, and I think it's going to be interesting to see with some of those teams, you know, if there is, I mean, there obviously is going to be front office change in Boston, but there is if there is front office changes there are front office changes rather in in new york with the yankees with the padres although i don't think preller is going anywhere but now we're starting to see news that now ownership is thinking about paring down on payroll because this uh, very expensive venture of theirs has not played out again we've already seen a front office change with the mets um otherwise i mean it's funny i'm trying to think of it maybe uh, the sad i mean the sad surprise that shohei otani blew out that that's a real bummer um 
But a yeah. lot of this season feels like, for as much as I said earlier, none of us know anything. There is a lot about this season, I feel like, that was not easy to see coming, but the kind of fit, you know? That, for example, the Twins were going to win the AL Central because no one else in that division is really trying. Mm. That, you know, the AL East was going to be a very difficult division. That the Astros were going to be contenders. That the Dodgers are going to be contenders. Well, I will say with the case of the Dodgers, I think we all expected them to take a real step back. And instead, they're on the verge of winning 100 games again. So, stop betting against them, I suppose. Um, you know, we're, we're going to get a postseason where, I mean, last year's postseason, uh, you know, comparatively speaking with who's making it this year, it, it's... A lot of the same teams. I mean, the only new entrants really are uh, the Twins, the Rangers, um, and obviously there's still some wild card spots to sort out. And I think the did the Brewers make the postseason last year? I can't remember. I feel like they did. Um, but either way, there there hasn't been a lot of turnover in that regard yet, which I think also says a, a lot about the fact that most of these contenders, again, with the exception of I think very clear uh, top teams in uh, Atlanta with the Dodgers, and you can argue with the Orioles. There is a, a very stable level of parity at this point with the actual good teams in baseball. And I think on the other side of that, it's pretty easy to see. And again, th- I think this was, you know, we could we weren't going to predict the Mets and Cardinals to be last place teams. I think it was pretty easy to predict that the Royals and A's were going to be last place teams. And they have done yeah. exactly that. That The bad teams in baseball are pretty much who we thought they were. The White Sox, the Tigers, the Royals, the A's, uh, the Angels, the Rockies. This is what we expected. You know, the Pirates to a certain degree, the Nats. You know, which is also something, there's something to be said, too, about these teams being stuck in these rebuilds, not really moving forward with actually building a team uh, that can actually compete and contend right away. Again, I I think it says a lot about the way teams are constructed now, which is unless you have that really good farm system, you've just got to go out and spend because otherwise you're just going to be stuck in this place where you're cycling through bad options and hoping to, to catch lightning in a barrel. Or lightning in a barrel. Hoping to catch lightning in a bottle. Probably easier to catch lightning in a barrel than it is a bottle. Although I guess... The, the barrel would then be, would burst into flames. But I guess lightning in a bottle, the glass bottle would probably explode, right? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I should, I should have paid more attention in science class in, in high school. I, 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 re- I regret it right now. I did biology. I wasn't a physics and chemistry guy. Those were pretty tortuous. This is just math with, with letters. Yeah, I didn't like I, it. I wasn't a fan of that. No. John Taylor, always a pleasure. And I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.